Hello again, everybody. It's been a while. I know. This is Anthony Harris. I've been away for a while. Just uh, at the start of the new job, and my routine has changed a bit after taking on that job. So I'm, I'm trying to find my rhythm again, trying to find uh, pace, and I don't want to abandon my podcasts. I'm just having to carve out the time and reassess and reevaluate and rearrange my priorities here. So I hope you understand, but I, I, the spirit and that I started this podcast with remains constant. Uh, it's called Looking Back, Moving Forward. And it's my uh, take on what's going on in our society from things that have gone on in the past, things that are going on right now and projecting into the future, things that deal with racial justice and social justice, uh, looking at how our society is, um, how we're dealing with some of the divisions in our country, whether political, racial, gender, whatever they happen to be. I have some commentary, have some ideas about that. So I just want to share those with you. And tonight I'm going to start with something going on in the state uh, in which I reside, that is the state of Texas. And some of this is, is not new. Uh, some of you have been keeping up with it in the news regarding the governor of the Lone Star State, uh, uh, Greg Abbott, he is performing at a level that can only be called being a, a, a wannabe Trump 2.0. And I say wannabe, and it's 2.0 because there's only one Donald Trump, and these guys are just tripping over themselves, falling all over themselves, trying to be the person who best imitates or emulates the, the, the bigotry and the um, just the wrong side of history kind of uh, attitude they have. But, but Abbott has, has done something that is quite interesting. Um, he called a special session, and he put some things forward during that special session of the Texas legislature. And one of the things that Donald Trump called on him to do was to uh, put into, uh, have the legislature take action and, and sign into law uh, something that would create what was similarly done in Arizona, which was an audit of the 2020 presidential election. Now, this is a Trump won handily in Texas, but yet he wants to have an audit of the vote in Texas. Now, he, Trump lost in Arizona. And he, in fact, he lost twice in Arizona. He lost on the first vote, uh, and then, then when the the fake audit went on over there. Uh, actually, Biden uh, earned 300 and some odd votes more than he did uh, the first time. So that makes Donald Trump a two-time loser there in Arizona. Now he wants to bring his his show of divisiveness over to Texas, and and Donald um, Greg Abbott is is um, obliging him, and he's indulging him, and he is doing some of that uh, crazy stuff. That's the only way to de describe it. So what Abbott did, the day he received the letter from um, Trump, and Trump just said, you must have an audit. You must have a forensic audit, whatever forensic audit is, because obviously um, I won Texas, but there was still something nefarious going on, and we need to, to root it out and figure out what's going on. So what Abbott did was he called upon the Secretary of State uh, that happens not to be a Secretary of State currently because the, the person who was in that position said that the Texas 
presidential election was smooth and fair, and because she said it was smooth and fair, she was fired from her position as Secretary of State. Now, that's the, the level of craziness that's going on, not only in our state, but in our country. They talk about cancel culture. That's an, a good example of cancel culture from the conservatives. So he went to whoever was in charge of the Secretary of State's office and said, we're going to have an audit, but we're only going to audit four counties. And these were counties, three of which were uh, went for Joe Biden in the election, and one went for Donald Trump, Harris County, um, Tarrant County, which is Fort Worth, uh, Harris County is Houston, and Dallas County, which is Dallas. And then he threw in Collin County, which is a predominantly uh, conservative community adjacent to Dallas County. So he said, we're, we're going to have a forensic audit of all of those. And it, and it really cost the staff at these local um, voting um, offices, election offices, caught them off guard because they've already done audits. They've already done re recounts and all of those things that needed to be done. And the Donald Trump still won. You know, that's, and that just makes it weird. Why is he, does he want to, he wants to win again? I mean, it doesn't count though. I mean, just like you lost twice in Arizona, it doesn't change anything. If you win again in in Texas, it still isn't going to change anything. It's, it's just a, a marker, if you will, of the level of, of cowardice, the level of, um, you know, some of these people just, as I said, they're falling all over each other, trying to placate and appease Donald Trump because they are simply afraid that if they don't buy into the big lie, if they don't support Trump's nonsense, his baseless claim that the 2020 election was rigged. They're afraid that if they don't do anything to <clears throat> to uh, satisfy him and feed his ego on that that issue, he will get angry with them and he will find somebody to to primary against them to run in the Republican primary. And there's nothing worse for a politician to believe that he or she is going to lose an election because that's that, that's a source of power that comes to them and, and, and they don't want to give it up. They don't want to get a regular job. So once they've become accustomed to that, um, that ego driven things that they do and the power that comes with it, they, they hate to lose it. So at any rate, the, um, the legislature and, and the governor, they've authorized these audits of, of four counties. And Donald Trump isn't pleased with that. He thinks that uh, Greg Abbott should do more than that, and I think Abbott is probably eventually going to capitulate. He's going to give in, because what's going on is that there are two other people, Republicans, prominent Republicans, who are running against Abbott, and they are way, way, way out there in right field. And because they're so far out there and they're so tied to Donald Trump, that in order for Abbott to get some oxygen, to get some coverage to to appeal to the base, he's got to move over to the right with these guys. There's this guy named Huffines, who used to be a state senator in, in Texas. And then there's the ever-present Alan West, uh, who, if some of you know his background, he, he was a one-term congressman from the, from the state of Florida. And he, he was a former military guy and, and, and drank the Kool-Aid of, of conservatism and ended up serving one term just made a name for himself and 
you know, he was he had his fame for 15 minutes, and then he moved to Texas. And after moving to Texas, he became um, chair of the Texas Republican um, Conference or committee, whatever they call it. And and that was just one of these immediate things. He had just moved to the Dallas area, and then all of a sudden, so I'm here. I want to be in charge of the Republican Party in in Texas. And then he stepped down from that position, and then announced that he's also going to that he's going to run for the Republican nomination for governor of Texas. And and both these guys, I said, they, Alan West and Huffines, they are so far to the right. Uh, they don't believe in um, vaccine mandates. They don't believe in mac, uh, mask mandates. And as a result, um, Abbott used to be um, pretty reasonable when it came to masks mandate. When the, the pandemic first started, he was uh, mandating that People wear masks, and, and, and there were positive results from that. And then he started getting pressure from uh, the Trump base, and he, he started um, started crawling some of that back and, and walking it back. And, and this most recently, after President Biden said that any company with a, at least 100 employees were going to have to have either a, a vaccine, they're going to mandate a vaccine, or they'd have to agree to regular COVID testing. Well, what Abbott has done, he said, we're going to pass, I'm going to sign an executive order that says no private employer can require, can mandate an employee to get vaccinated. Now, what's really weird about this anti-vaccination movement is that school children have been required to have vaccinations to go to school for the MMR, the mumps, measles, rubella, chickenpox, smallpox, all of those childhood illnesses that, that are no longer affecting the lives of, of young people and, and babies in our country, they are, those are required. But all of a sudden, it seems that the COVID vaccine seems to be one that they don't want to require. And why is that? You have to ask yourself, if they're going to require vaccines for kids to start school to have um, their measles, their mumps, their rubella, their chicken pox, all of those tetanus and all those things, they have to show proof of that. And even in universities, they have to do that. <clears throat> if they're okay with that, but not okay with uh, COVID shots, why is that? You have to ask yourself, why? Well, it, the answer is very simple. If you remember when the coronavirus first um, became public, and uh, former president, number 45, declared that it was no such thing as a um, uh, coronavirus, and there was nothing to worry about. It was just a hoax. It was a democratic hoax. It was a ploy by the mainstream media to make him look bad. He did everything to downplay the, the severity of this deadly virus. As a result, over half a million of our fellow citizens lost their lives. So those people who are still loyal to this man, who are still a part of that, that Fox cult, that, that, that Trump cult, they still cannot get it out of their heads that this is not a political issue, folks. This is a public health issue. And, and Donald Trump has gotten his vaccine, you know, you, and, and he's running around here like Fox News is telling people, 
you know, shouldn't be mandated. You shouldn't have to take the vaccine. But yeah, they've taken the, the vaccine. So they're going to be healthy while these, some of these people, these gullible followers of his, they are risking their lives and taking one for the team, I guess, and falling on the sword to please Donald Trump, which is just absolute madness. It's just crazy, folks. So um, we just got to look and and just figure out what's the best method, what's the best way to get people vaccinated, because I'm afraid those people who are uh, in government right now, particularly in states like Texas, they are more interested, and I'll say this, they are more interested in becoming reelected than they are in doing something that's going to protect the lives of our, of our children and our citizens. And it's gotten so bad, as you've probably seen on the news, how this has now trickled down from a national debate, national issue, and national um, divisiveness and um, baseless conspiracy theories. It's moved from the state, from the federal to state, down to the local level, where you, you, you've probably seen these crowds gathering at school board meetings and shouting down school board meeting uh, members and threatening to harm them. Uh, the video of somebody telling a school board member, I know where you live and and we're going to get you and all those things just because they voted to have a vaccine mandate in order to, and a mask mandate to save the lives of school children. And then there was this other one, I'm not sure what state it was, but there was a mother taking her child to school and the child had on a mask. And one of these nutty uh, anti-maskers probably an anti-vaxxer as well, she started, I guess, almost stalking the woman, following her, had a camera going, and actually said some of the, one of the, one of the most evil things I could, that you could imagine somebody would say to a mother and her child. She said, woman, uh, speaking to the mother, you are raping your child by having that child wear a mask. You should be reported to Child Protective Services because all you're doing is raping your child. Now, can you imagine how insensitive, how, how deplorable, how um, just it, it's, it's moronic? You know, it's, it's there's so many ways to describe. And, and that kind of mentality is, is trickling down from the national level, from the Donald Trumps and, and the Kevin McCarthy's and the Jim Jordan's and the Ted Cruz's. And the, it's coming all the way down to local school boards. And, and most school boards are not partisan. They don't, they don't run as Democrats or Republicans. They, they, they're there in most cases to, as, as volunteers to, um, to help support public education in their communities. And yet these, um, these people who believe that wearing a mask is a, uh, is a threat to their freedom, they believe that uh, having a vaccine and, and, and taking that vaccine, uh, that vaccine is a um, personal affront to them and a violation of their their freedom. And and to me, it's akin to someone saying that I have a right to smoke anywhere I want to smoke. That's my, I should have the freedom. I have a personal right to smoke. I don't care if you get lung cancer from secondhand smoke. Uh, I'm just, you can't tell me what I can't do. You know, it's that same kind of mentality that it, it, it's selfishness. It's um, it's what's what's convenient for me, not what's good for the, the common good out there. What's going to help 
our country recover, get people back to working, doing all the things that we need to do to recover from this uh, terrible pandemic. And these people are out here doing everything they can to, to sabotage that. But the other side of it is, I believe that those people are, 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 in, a, are in a minority. I think they, the vast majority of people in this country don't think like they think. And therein lies the dilemma that they find themselves in, is that many, many conservatives, they can't fathom why most of the country doesn't think the way they think. They believe that their views, their opinions, their perspectives is the dominant view and perspectives. They, they just think that's how most people think in this country. I have a friend of mine who was, who was conservative, Republican, and he just couldn't believe that 80 million people voted for Joe Biden and only 70-something million voted for uh, Donald Trump. Because in his view, there are just far more people who are conservative who think, who think the way he thinks. And that's just one of the, that's just one of the characteristics of, of conservatives out there. They think their view is a dominant view and they think more people think as they think. But the reality is they're only a small minority. 30 40 percent but they are loud they are vocal and they get lots of media attention uh, social media certainly um, facilitates that and allows them to just put all kinds of wild conspiracy theories and um, you know just doing their their utmost in my view to um, to hurt democracy in this country and that's a segue into something else that it bothers me about what's going on with this current iteration of the Republican Party and those conservatives who still um, are kowtowing to and, and bowing to um, this guy Donald Trump. Um, this and, and, and it's manifesting manifesting itself in in a couple of ways. I've talked about the the anti-masking and anti-vaxxing uh, crusade that's on as a, as a result of. Donald Trump. Then you've got this, what I call the anti-CRT, the anti-critical race theory crowd. And I firmly believe that the anti-mask, anti-vax, and the anti-CRT people are all cut from the same bolt of cloth. I think they, uh, they are anti all of those things. And, and, and the critical race theory just, I mean, that is just like a... <laughs> I mean, a, a dog on a, on a piece of pork chop, and they have just sunk their teeth into this, and they just think they have found the boogeyman that, that's going to scare white people and cause them to rise up against black people. I guess that's what they're, they're doing. Um, basically, and I've said it before, critical race theory is not being taught in the schools, in the public schools, in anywhere in this country. And yet they are passing these laws that says you can't, you can't teach CRT. Well, nobody's teaching CRT. And most, 99% of the people who, who are critical of CRT have no idea what CRT is. But it's, it, it's, it's, it's a term that's been hijacked by, by the right and, and vilified. And they have turned it into something that it isn't. They turn it into the boogeyman, as I said, as something that they should fear, something that should be angry with, something we should get rid of. And, and ironically, by taking that action, they really 
are manifesting some of the elements and some of the principles of critical race theory. One, that uh, racism is endemic in our society. That's one of the tenets of, of critical race theory, that it's so embedded in the DNA of this country that some people don't even know that they're being racist. So that's, that's what's happening with some of these people. They, they just can't get it in their heads that, that it's not something, uh, it's not what they claim it to be, but that doesn't stop them because they have in their minds we have to push back against this, this notion of uh, social justice. I mean, since after George Floyd's murder, you know, the country was starting to realize, man, we've got some problems in this country. We need to make some corrections here. We need to, there needs to be a day of reckoning and a day of atonement and tell the truth about what's going on in our country. And there's that, that pushback. These people are saying, no, 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 no. We don't want our kids to learn about the history of slavery. We don't want them to know that racism, systemic racism still exists today. And, and there are examples of, of the links that these individuals will go. Uh, here in the state of Texas, in Colleyville, Texas, near up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, back last month, a, a black principal was suspended from his position as principal of the Colleyville High School because one person uh, went to a school board meeting and claimed that in his Facebook writings, the principal had supported um, critical race theory. And they, he didn't like the comments that he made. And he, didn't, he wasn't supporting critical race theory. He was just talking about the, the importance that people understand that racism still exists in our country and we need to get rid of it and we need to come together as a country and get rid of racism and at least uh, mitigate its, its effects on our society. And, and this guy didn't like that. He thought that was just a bridge too far and he wasn't going to stand for anybody talking about let's get rid of racism. So being a... In a, in a minority, he, he vocalized his objections and the, the board capitulated because they don't want to be, they don't want to have people coming to their homes, um, blasting their horns and threatening to hurt them. So they, they took, I think, the coward's way out and, and suspended this gentleman. And Colleyville, if you know anything about it, it's a, it's a predominantly Republican area, pretty conservative and mostly white. And this is a black high school principal in a predominantly white school district. And I think that gave some people some, some heartburn. They didn't want that. So they have found a way to get rid of this man. Also in an area, area near where I live, uh, in Katy, Texas, um, there was an effort to uh, remove a book um, from the library, a book, uh, an award-winning book. I, I'm blocking on the name of it right now. Uh, a gentleman who who is you know, really speaking and trying to encourage, you know, black kids to um, to believe in themselves, not to let things bother, not let, let things keep them from achieving their, their dreams, but also know that there are some people out there who will try to um, hold you back because of the color of your skin and don't let that happen. Well, there's some, one parent in particular said she didn't like that because that was Marxism, that was communism, and that was critical race theory, and, and none of those were true. None of those descriptions uh, had anything to do with what, uh, anything but the, to do with this book. So apparently, Katie ISD, Katie Independent School District, has policy that if any parent objects to any book for any reason, they immediately remove the book from the shelf. 
And then a review committee will take a look at it and just read the other day that the review committee read it and they have um, they have uh, concluded that the book can go back on the shelf, that it it is not something that's harmful to, to kids, it's not harmful to anybody. Um, so uh, the person who organized the, the take the book off the shelf routine, she said the school board um, uh, caved in, that's how she put it, they just caved in to those people who are communists and Marxists and you know, that's, that's just a favorite ploy on their part is to label people and, and, and put these names, uh, these labels on people that know, they know most of the country will, will find abhorrent and think that's going to stick. They think that's going to cause somebody to really hate these individuals because they say that they're communists or Marxists. Well, I think that's something that is um, that's very unfortunate. I used to be a school board member, and I remember one year um, there was a group of there was a group of people in the community, parents who objected to a book that was in the library um, bookshelf. It was not required reading, but it was a book nevertheless that was there. After there were two books, and these these parents objected to it. They thought those books should not be on the shelf, and they came to a school board meeting one night and passed out excerpts from the book. They took portions of the book that really had some four-letter words in it and uh, some adult themes to them, and they passed them out to people as they walked into the school board meeting. I, I looked at a copy of it, and I started reading it. I said, man, I don't know if I want my kids reading this stuff, you know. So as the meeting progressed, um, we started having some discussions about it, and I remember I came to that realization that there's no justification for banning books. That's what they do in totalitarian countries and tyrannical governments and dictatorships. That's what they do. They ban books. And when you start banning books, that to me is a recognition of your lack of faith in your democracy, your lack of faith in your, your fellow human beings, that you are afraid, you feel insecure about what's going on with uh, the minds of our kids. And that to me was, it was a turning point for me because I realized we just don't do that. You should not do that in this country. You shouldn't ban books. Now, if you don't want your kid reading a book, just tell the child, don't read the book. And, and why should I substitute my judgment about a book for that of a parent who says that it's perfectly okay for my children to read this, this book and and, and read these words. It's a teachable moment when they read them that I can share with them and talk with them about how there's a better way of expressing views or here's a situation I want you to think about. And, and it's a point, uh, it, it, it can lead to some, some very um, interesting discussions uh, uh, with parents and their kids. So uh, bottom line too is that as the case in commerce, it was the same as it was in Katie, the more you tell kids that, that they shouldn't do something, they will do just the opposite. So in commerce, a lot of the kids didn't even know about the book, didn't know what it was all about. And because these parents were so exercised about this and so angry about it, the kids said, oh, I want to read the book. So more kids started reading the book. And I think the same thing happened in Katie when when they and the this uh, vocal 
Actually, this person was a former candidate for the school board and lost, and she was also uh, sued the school board because they require kids to wear masks. And uh, so they, they have put the book back on the shelf, and I think more and more kids have read that book and um, that's that's just sort of the the silliness of it when they when they take these tactics and, and try these things and and it backfires because uh, they don't want kids to read it and kids say yeah I want to read this thing now so moving on to something else and and that's the January sixth um, committee that is um, going on as we speak and they they issued some subpoenas to several former members of the uh, Trump administration, the Trump White House. And uh, Steve Bannon is one, and he's indicated that he is going to defy the subpoena. He's not going to show up. He's not going to cooperate with the, the special select committee. And uh, Benny Thompson from my home state of Mississippi, I love this guy. And he's basically said, you know, that's your choice. Then we will move for a criminal complaint to be lodged against you, and you may have to spend some time in jail, buddy. And of course, Steve Bannon is, he should be in jail anyway, because, you know, he was he was indicted on some federal charges and Trump uh, pardoned him. So after he pardoned him, I think he felt he can get away with anything. But uh, what he doesn't realize is that he doesn't have the protection of Donald Trump anymore. Trump can't do anything for him. So we have to really follow that that process. Of course, the Republicans, most Republicans, um, don't want to cooperate with the committee. As you remember, there was a bipartisan um, agreement uh, to have a 9-11 style commission, a nonpartisan commission, to look into what led up to the January 6th insurrection, what, what caused it and the aftermath, and, and more importantly, what can we do to prevent something like this from happening again in the future? And they thought they had a deal, but then Mitch McConnell and uh, Kevin McCarthy said, nope, they had to call Donald Trump first, and Trump said, don't you do it. And they said, yes, sir, we will, we will not um, participate. And then, in fact, what Kevin McCarthy did, he, he, he selected some people that he knew. It's like a poison pen here, they, poison pill, rather, where they, he, he nominated some people that he knew Nancy Pelosi would not agree to, like Jim Jordan. Who wants Jim Jordan? to go into a committee like that. This guy has no sense of decorum. He has, he's a, he's a street fighter. He doesn't care about logic. He doesn't care about the truth. He just wants to take his jacket off and have his little tie on and, and, and come across as some kind of uh, average guy. But uh, he's, he's pretty dangerous. But anyway, they, um, they did not want anybody on this, this committee, this House committee, but uh, two Republicans are on the, the committee. Liz Cheney is one, and Adam Kinziger is the other one. So it is bipartisan. Uh, it's just not the um, the Republicans that uh, Kevin McCarthy want wanted on the committee. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But Donald Trump also said something the other day that is really going to be... Uh, I, I guess it, it reflects sort of his mentality and his uh, limited ability to be reasonable. He, he actually put in writing, he told his, uh, these states that are refusing to go along with the big lie and, and, and not have these audits, he is warning people, he is warning these, these candidates that 
Republican voters will just stay home in 2022 and 2024. We just won't vote. If you don't do what I want you to do, which is to have these, these audits and decertify and put me back in office, then I'm going to tell my people, and, and, and basically his cult followers, he'll tell them you shouldn't go to vote. You shouldn't go to the polls in 2022 and 2024. Now, how, um, I don't know, how idiotic can you get to just, I mean, he's sabotaging himself. You know, if these people don't go out and vote, he has no chance of winning. So <clears throat> I hope he doesn't. I hope people don't go out and vote uh, who, who support him. So um, the other thing that's going on in D.C. we keep an eye on, too, is uh, this um, infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill that the president has put forward. We see there are some Democrats who are digging their heels in, uh, Manchin from West Virginia and Cinema from Arizona. Uh, as you know, their Demo Democrats only have 50 seats, 50 votes, and uh, none of the Republicans will support it, so... They can't count on them, and Cinema and, and Mansion. They are. Uh, I know they're just not being cooperative. They 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 are not being reasonable. Um, Mansion is from a Republican state. I think he's concerned about his chances of reelection if he goes too far down the path with the, with the um, the Biden agenda. You know he has claimed that there are some things that. He wants, it's the same attitude he had with the, um, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. He wants to put things in that bill, like um, ID, um, voter ID. And, and the, the legislation that's with the federal government, with the Congress is trying to, to pass, takes that out. You don't need to have a voter ID. You, you can't require that. And Manchin said, no, if I... To get my support, you're going to have to put that back in the bill. So um, I say we Democrats have to really get out and, and vote in 2022 to expand that that margin from 50-50 to maybe 55 or 60 um, to 40, because we can't allow people like Manchin, Joe Manchin, and Cinema, uh, Kristen Cinema, um, to have that kind of power. They 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 need to be. The power needs to be diluted, and the way you do that is get more Democrats elected. And I think that's it for uh, this time. I, like I said, I've been um, absent for a while. I'm going to try to do better. I enjoy um, pontificating. I enjoy sharing my thoughts and even ranting from time to time um, just to share with you, those people who are listening to this podcast, uh, I welcome your, your thoughts, your feedback. Uh, just email me at aharris, H-A-R-R-I-S, aharris007 at yahoo.com. And I'll be glad to uh, correspond with you. Um, if you have some ideas for the, um, for the podcast, please let me know. But I think that's it for, for today. I'm going to um, let that be the last word for the day, and, and I will be seeing you again pretty soon. I'll be sharing some more thoughts here pretty soon. Take care. Bye-bye.